was uh, written back, I think, the late 60s, maybe early 70s. But uh, it was uh, a song that I learned early in my Christian life and was a real blessing to me. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, isn't it strange, but back in the 70s, I remember there was an awful lot of talk about Jesus Christ coming again. And there was an anticipation, not just talk, there was an anticipation that he was going to come. And the truth of the matter is, we now we're, what, 70... 50. We're 50 years closer. Man, that's a long time. <laughs> we're 50 years closer than we were back then, and the anticipation is less. Should not be less, folks. Should be more. We're closer than we've ever been to the Lord coming back. Take your Bibles and turn with me to, to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, in this chapter, Moses is talking to the generation that is going to be going into the promised land. The, uh, it's, it's right around that, that time, just, just shortly before they head into the promised land to get what God has promised to them. And he looks backwards and explains what the last 40 years was all about. Uh, honestly, probably the previous generation that died during that 40 years probably understood that 40 years more than the new generation did because some of those folks that he was speaking to that were going to go into the promised land, even some of those that were going to fight, hadn't even been born yet when that 40 years started. And so uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to look at three verses. We're going to get right, right into the message th this morning, or this morning, this evening. Let's all stand together, if you would, and, and uh, look with me in verses 1 through 3. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verses 1 through 3 says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with, with manna which thou knewest not, Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth, uh, out of, the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful tonight for the opportunity to gather, even though we're scattered in our gathering. Uh, Lord, we're of one heart, we're of one mind, and I trust Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, have our hearts open to your word. I pray, Lord, that you give us ears to hear tonight. I, I believe that just as the words were important to that generation that was getting ready to go into the promised land, I believe that those words are also important to us today. And I, I just ask, Lord, that you would lead, guide, and direct my thoughts 
my words. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, your word would be effectively communicated and that I would not get in the way. I don't want to get in the way. I want to please and honor you. And Lord, I want the message to come forth crystal clear. I ask God that you would work in our hearts tonight and God speak to us, we pray. And Lord, uh, be, be specific to us. Be specific to us. And, uh, and show us some things that we're doing right and also show us some things that we might be a little lack in. And Father, I pray that you'd give us a heart that we want to turn and be obedient to you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> what was the, the purpose, or what was the wilderness, not what was the purpose, but what was the, the wilderness to the Jews and uh, in, in for the Jews? Um, when, they, when they went into that wilderness, what was it like for them? And as I was thinking about this this week, I think there's a lot of parallels between the Jews in the wilderness and what we're going through. We've been going through now for about two months with this COVID-19 thing. And, and uh, you know, I realized for the last several weeks, my messages have really been focused on that on, on, on what we're going through. And, uh, and, and I believe that's been necessary because I, I believe there's a purpose for why we're going through what we're going through. And uh, you know, our, our economy has been shut down. Our, our church basically has been, has been shut down from the standpoint of public services. Um, all these things are, are being done for a reason. And uh, the, what the, the wilderness was to the Jews is, is what really I think in a lot of ways this is to us. For instance, uh, they had never gone through a wilderness before. They, they lived uh, all of their lives, no matter how, how old the oldest person was, uh, they lived their entire life in Egypt. Now I realize Egypt was oppressive. But in comparison to the wilderness, it was secure. It really was secure. Um, their, their leader had never gone through this before. Uh, you know, Moses, he, he'd never led people before. Uh, he didn't lead them across the street, let alone across the Red Sea. And, uh, and, and uh, uh, yet God was using this to prove and to test him and to prove and to test his people. Truth of the matter is, there's not one of us that are alive today that have gone through anything even close to this before. Our president hasn't gone through anything like this before. Our governor's not gone through anything like this before. And so we're, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of uh, going, going a little bit by the Braille system, touch and feeling as we go. But uh, their leader had never gone into, the, into a wilderness area like that before. It was the proving ground for something greater. They weren't going into the wilderness to stay in the wilderness. That was not the purpose. The purpose was to go into the wilderness, and according to this passage that we just read, God proved them. And that's, that's the title of my, of my message tonight, is God's proving ground. The wilderness was the proving ground for the nation of Israel, 
And, and they were getting ready and God was preparing their hearts so that they could go into something much greater than, than, than Egypt, much greater than the wilderness. They were getting ready to go into the promised land. I believe God's got something great for us. I think on the other side of this thing, if the Lord doesn't come back before it's all over, and I hope he does, but, uh, but if he doesn't, I believe he's, put, he's allowing us to go through this and putting us through this so that we can be proved, tested, and tried. And if we will respond properly, there's some promised land on the other side that we can claim and that God will give us. Uh, Moses was addressing those who had who'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, except for, except for Joshua and Caleb and Moses. The ones that he was addressing at this time were 49 years uh, old or younger, okay? And, and that's something I really hadn't thought of before because all of those other people died, that the previous generations died, all those that were, when, when uh, Moses made the, the proclamation that that generation would die, it was all those that were 20 years old and older. So when he's speaking to these people, the oldest person, except for Joshua and Caleb and Moses, the oldest person is 49 years old. Or, and, and that's the oldest, and then all the rest of them are younger. The 40 years wandering was because of the disobedience of the previous generation, of those that were 20 years old or, or older. When the spies were sent into the land and they refused to go into the land, God said, okay, if you're going to refuse to go into the land, that's it. I'm going to kill you all right here. And that's exactly what he did. So it was because of, of the disobedient ones that the other folks ended up going, going into it. I, honestly, uh, you know, we've got, we've got two kinds of people in the United States. We've got people that are obedient to God, and we've got people that are disobedient to God. Uh, you know, that's really true around the whole world. And those that, that uh, and, and, and I believe this, Anytime you find pestilence and disease in the Bible, uh, God brings that kind of stuff to get people's attention. God brings that kind of stuff uh, across so that uh, because of the sin of people. Now, he's not going to flood out the earth again. He told that to Noah and put a rainbow in the sky and, and promised that that would never happen. But that doesn't mean that, we, that when we sow to the flesh that we don't reap the flesh and reap corruption. We do. And, uh, and that was really what that, what that 40 years in the wilderness was all about because of the disobedience of the previous generation. They, uh, they ended up uh, dying in the wilderness and wandering around. Those that were 49 years old and, and, uh, and, and younger, uh, all, of the, all of those folks, um, I say 49, 40 it would be 59, wouldn't it? 59 years old and younger. Um, but uh, those folks uh, would uh, went through that wilderness not because of anything they did. It was because of what it was because of what their previous generation had done. And yet, though it was because of the disobedient generation that preceded them, it was for those who were younger and going to eventually go into the promised land. It taught them who God was. 
It taught them that, listen, God can take care of you in the wilderness, and just as he can take care of you in the wilderness, he can also take care of you when you get into the promised land. And it, it showed the people of Israel what God was capable of. The other thing that the uh, wilderness experience was for the, for the Jews is it was a time of funerals. Now, I thought this thing through. I worked on it. I, again, my one figure's already been off, so maybe possibly I've got another one off before it's all done. But, uh, but I, I went through this thing, and there, there's, there's all kinds of speculation as to how many people left Egypt and went into the wilderness. But the, 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 the round figure ends up being right at about 2 million folks. So, so let's just, for, for purposes of illustration tonight, let's use that figure. And if 2 million people left Egypt, probably about 70% of them were 20 years old and older. Probably about 70%. If that is true, then there were 600, and during that 40 years, there averaged 673 deaths per week for 40 years. There were 96 deaths per day average for 40 years. Death, death, death. I mean, day after day after day. The people of Israel were inundated not only with the wilderness, but with deaths in that wilderness. Death slapped them in the face every single day during those 40 years. When they were in Egypt, they were pretty much taken care of. They were given housing, they were given food, they were given clothing. Now I realize they were in an oppressed environment because they were slaves, but they were taken care of. In the wilderness, God directly had to provide and sometimes it was moment by moment i really believe and i hope i'm absolutely dead wrong but i don't think i am uh we are getting ready to go into one of the most trying times we've been in in as a nation and we're part of it god's people are part of it but you know that's a that that's going to be a tremendous opportunity for us to see God provide on a daily basis. Um, the, in your New Testament, the book of Matthew, in fact, I was just reading it, just reading it today, the, the, what, what we often refer to as the Lord's Prayer, in reality, it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the, the Lord's model prayer for the disciples. He was teaching the disciples to pray, it wasn't his prayer, it was really the disciples' prayer. But the prayer in the prayer said this, give us this day our daily bread. Now, let me ask you something. You know, you may from time to time have recited that prayer in your lifetime, but honestly, have you really, up until now, had to ask God for daily bread? I mean, really. Now, I've thanked the Lord for daily bread lots of times. In fact, every day. Uh, but... Asking the Lord for daily bread has not necessarily been a necessity. Can I tell you, we could be heading for that time where we have to depend. And you know what? <laughs> and again, like it was for Israel, uh, it's, it's not a bad thing to have to depend upon God. 
and for God to thrust us into a situation where we have to depend upon him. Now, God used the time in the wilderness to do two things, and this is outlined, this is spoken of in the first three verses of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Number one, it was to humble Israel, to humble Israel. And, and you know, in the Christian life and in our relationship with God, period, uh, everything starts there. It starts with being humbled. And, and by the way, I'll just say this, and I'll say this without, without hesitation. There isn't a person that I'm speaking to right now, including myself, there's not a one of us who couldn't use more humility than what we have right now. Humility is, is absolutely essential. The Bible says, God giveth grace to the humble. That means if we're not humble, we don't get the grace that we need. And the truth of the matter is, that's what happened when you got saved. Because when you got saved, you humbled yourself before God and said, I'm a sinner. Before, when, when you got saved, you said, Lord, uh, uh, I'm not only a sinner, but I'm a sinner who deserves hell. And if you don't help me because I can't help myself at all, if you don't help me, I'm going to die and go to hell for all eternity. I can't get my sins forgiven. Only you can do that. What is that? Well, that's, that's, that's a humbling. And the Christian life started with humbling. And, and the truth is, is that day by day, that's an absolute necessity. We got grace to get saved, and just as we got grace to get saved, we'll get living grace on a day-by-day -day basis as we humble ourselves before God. He says, he resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And then not only did God take them through the wilderness to humble them, but secondly, to prove them, to prove them. Now, pr to prove means to demonstrate as having a particular quality or worth, to show them what they were made of, to, to strengthen them, to fine-tune them, to hone them into a position where they were ready to go into the promised land. Now, you know one of the things that's, that's interesting about this passage, it, it talks about the fact that God led them in the wilderness. Um, you know, though, that, that generation that was 20 years old and older, they were disobedient. After you're disobedient to God, does God still lead you? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Because he led them. Now, they weren't going to go into the promised land, and they had closed that door. But God still led them day by day in the promised land. And, and the, the whole purpose of that leading was to prove them to know what was in their heart. Uh, the reason why we go through, I, I believe the, the, the big reason why we're going through this COVID-19 as a, as a nation, as individuals, as churches, as families, is to find out what's really on the inside. Listen, you really, I mean, yes, you know because you've opened one before, but you take an, an orange and uh, you look at that orange and you say, well, I know what's on the inside. Okay, but you don't see what's on the inside until you take that orange and you start putting pressure on it. 
And as you put pressure on it and start squeezing it tighter and tighter, and you ought to get one. If you could try that, you ought to do it with a thin-skinned orange, not a thick-skinned orange. But uh, you take one of those thin-skinned oranges and you start squeezing it. What's going to happen? Not in, in not too long of a time, you're going to have orange juice just trickling down your, down your arm and into your sleeve. Why? Because when you apply pressure to an orange, the juice comes out. Well, whatever's inside you, whatever's inside me, as the pressure is applied, that comes out. That comes out. And that's what proving is all about. So there are, th there are three things that God desires to prove us in. And we see this because this was the, the purpose that God had uh, in the lives of the, of the children of Israel. There's three proving grounds that he had. For the first one, take your Bibles and turn them into Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15. And in Exodus 15, we're going to start in verse 22 and we're going to go down to chapter 16 and verse 4. It says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast uh, into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and wilt do that which is right in his sight and wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Chapter 16, verse 1 says, And they, they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the, on the 15th, uh, 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, What did God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full? For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my laws or no. So the first area where God desires to prove us is in the area of obedience. Both, both times that they were tested at the waters of, of Marah, and then uh, here later on when they, when they ended up having no food, both times they murmured. And, and both times God provided. I mean, I, again, we serve a merciful God. We serve a, a, 
a great and a gracious God. Uh, they murmured against Moses. In reality, they were murmuring against God because God was the one who really led them into the wilderness. And they said, well, we're, we, we were just brought out here to die. Uh, after the, the, he sweetened the water at Marah, uh, he, they, they were tested again, and uh, he, they ended up not having, not having anything to eat. If you, if, uh, you look with me down at verse 25, verse 25 says, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. So he proved them there at the waters, and then he proved them again uh, when, when they had nothing to eat, and he gave them manna. Now, there were two purposes of the manna. Number one was obviously to provide for them because they had no food. But secondly was to prove them. And what he did was he gave them specific instructions about how to gather the manna. And, of course, if, if you've read through the Old Testament, you know what happened. They ended up violating some of those things. But, again, the reason why he did it was to prove them and to see whether or not they would be obedient. And uh, he, he provides his way and watches how we obey. He, he brought down manna from heaven. Now, that, that was totally unexpected. In fact, the word manna means what is it? <laughs> what is it? They didn't know what it was. They'd never seen anything like it. It came down daily. They gathered it in the baskets. And they were to eat everything that they gathered. And uh, then the next day they would gather some more, and the next day they would gather some more. And then the day before the Sabbath, they'd gather two days' worth. Now, if any other day, if they, if they did not eat what they had, all that they had gathered, it would rot the next day. But if they gathered it on Friday, and they gathered two, two uh, uh, days' worth of food, and, and they ate the first day, and they left the rest. The next day, it didn't rot. And again, this was God just proving them. I'm going to give you some simple instructions. Can you obey these simple instructions? And so he provides it, provides oftentimes in a very unusual way when he does provide, and then he sits back and watches how we obey him. One of the things that, that uh, we need to, need to remember, I think, and because of what we have had in the past, uh, I believe our future isn't going to be like our, like our past has been, but we've had great abundance in this country, and abundance often brings carelessness rather than appreciation. It often brings disobedience rather than obedience. Because we start relying upon the abundance rather than relying upon God. And in fact, one of, the, one of the cautions that Moses gave to the people of Israel that were going to go into the wilderness, or excuse me, going to go into the promised land, he was not going to go with them. But one of the cautions he gave is just be careful because when you get abundance, you'll turn your back on God if you're not careful. And you need to be very, very careful. And so their obedience was a testing ground. Uh, God put them through the wilderness to test and to prove their obedience. I believe that we're going through the, this, this COVID-19 crisis 
uh, because God's people need to be tested in the area of obedience. Um, you know, uh, I, 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 my, you know what my prayer is for our church and for individual families and for individuals within that family is that by the time this, this whole thing has is, is run its full course and we're on the other side of the thing and we're getting ready to enter into whatever our promised land is, um, is that folks will, of our church will be stronger than they were when we went into it. Uh, you know, I want to be stronger than I was when I went into it. I want to, I want to deal. I want God to deal with me about, about obedience in my life. That's an area. You know, again, when, you're, when your schedule gets, gets scattered and, and, and ruffled and all of a sudden you're taken out of your comfort zone into an uncomfortable situation, do you remain obedient regardless of the circumstances? And that's exactly what God was proving them. The area God was proving them in was, was in their obedience. The second area, go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. <clears throat> and in Exodus 20, I want you to look with me at verses 18 down through 21. Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 21. It says, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings, and the noise of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. Now this is when Moses went up into the mount, into Mount Sinai, and got the Ten Commandments. Verse 19, And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. The whole, the whole purpose of God separating Moses from the people, taking him up into the, into the uh, Mount Sinai, and giving him the Ten Commandments, but taking 40 days to do that was to prove them. Let's see where your heart is, when your leader is gone, when your leader is nowhere to be found and he's gone for an extended period of time, where are you going to be when he comes back? Well, we, if you know the story, you know exactly where they were when, when he came back. He came back down off the mountain. He heard, he, heard, he heard what sounded like war going on. Well, what it was, it was music. There's a lot of music going on today that sounds like war is going on. Uh, and and uh, what they were doing was they were, they were worshiping a golden calf. And, and they had turned their back on Jehovah God. They had turned their back on worshiping the true God and molded and made a calf out of gold. And they, they were worshiping the calf. Now, what he showed, showed them was his judgment. And, and he showed it, them his holy character before, before Moses even went, went to, and, and separated himself from the people. Look, look in verse uh, 18 of, uh, of, of Exodus 20. Verse 18 again says, All the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. The thing that he was proving them with is, uh, do you really, really honestly fear God? 
do you honestly fear God? What did they do after he went up into the mount? Well, the truth is they turned their back on God. Now they had seen the thunderings. They'd seen the lightning. They, you know, they'd heard the thunderings and seen the lightning. And, uh, and, and th there was some fear in their heart, but that fear didn't stay. And so the longer this thing prolonged and he stayed up in the mount, uh, they eventually turned their hearts against their God. And he'll bring things into your life and into my life to shake us up, to scare us a little bit. And, and, and not, not that God's, you know, the boogeyman that's trying to uh, scare us as we go around every corner. That's not the point. But he wants to see, where is your fear? Do you, do, you, do you fear circumstances more than you fear God? One of the things that has that bothered me about this whole COVID-19 thing is that I, I see God's people more afraid of getting sick than they, are more, than they are afraid of displeasing their God. Now, I, I think they're afraid of displeasing God, some of them, but not as afraid as they are of a, of, of, of a, of a virus. Uh, folks, uh, my fear needs to be first and foremost the fear of the Lord. Because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's where the whole thing starts. And, and anytime I start fearing outward circumstances more than I fear God, then there's something wrong. And in reality, if I fear the Lord like I ought to, and I start trusting God, the God whom I fear, then my fears of the circumstances will begin to be alleviated. But as, it, as the, the fear of circumstances rises in our hearts, that ought to be a red flag that says, whoa, wait a minute, there's another fear that's starting to slip. Don't let it slip. And that's the fear of of the Lord. And what happened was he went up into the mount for 40 days and 40 nights. When he went up, they were serving him. They were serving God. When he came down, they were serving and worshiping a golden calf. Here's, here's, a, here's, here's the question. What do you do when you're left by yourself? What do you do when nobody else is looking, when nobody else knows what's going on? Is it the fear of the Lord that determines what you do or don't do? It ought to be the fear of the Lord. And that's one of the air, another area where God proves us and tests us. He tests us in the area of obedience. He tests us in the area of fear. And there's one more area that he tests us in. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 13, <clears throat> look at verses 1 through 4. It says, If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign of the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of the prophet, or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. 
The, the third testing ground is the area of our love for him. False teachers, he, Moses let them know that false teachers would rise up. False religions would rise up. Uh, there would be things that would come before the people that would entice them and want to steal their hearts. Um, you ever notice this? You get somebody saved. You, you uh, witness to someone and witness to someone, and finally they, they, uh, they repent, they believe on Jesus Christ, they, they trust him as Savior, and then they go back to work the next day and start telling some of the people that they work with that they've been saved. And all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, there's a bunch of, of uh, folks, let's just use one group of people, charismatic folks, that, uh, you know, that have some false doctrine, and uh, they, they, they hear that, and they glom onto them and try to teach them their doctrine. Or it's Jehovah's Witnesses, or it's the Mormons, or whatever, whoever it might be, because see, they see that he's interested in the Bible. You know what that is? That's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a test of that in individual's faith and love for the true God. That's really what it is. And, you know, I, I hate to see it every time it happens, but it happens. And it happens because God is testing them to see, to see where, their, where their heart is and where their love is. And, and you'll be tested about some things. Uh, it may be false prophets that will, that will uh, cause you to glom onto some, some doctrinal deviancy. Or it could just be something that captures your heart. And that, that turns your heart to love it more than you love God. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 44. Jeremiah 44, I was just reading this just recently. And uh, every time I read this passage of Scripture, uh, and one, on one hand I'm amazed, but yet on the other hand, uh, we see this kind of thing happen all the time in Christianity. In um, Jeremiah 44, look, in, look with me in verse, verses uh, 15 down through 19. Verse 15 says, Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, Now Jeremiah was rebuking the socks off of them telling them that their, their hearts were going to, to the wrong gods, their, their, their worship was wrong, they said they believed in God, but their, but their, their obedience was not there, their, their lives were not, were not matched up with the word of God. Verse 16, as for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee, but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven. That's kind of an interesting phrase there, isn't it? Queen of heaven. And to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. 
they're saying, they're saying, you know, when we were when we were involved in this practice, and it was a false practice, and it was false worship, said everything was seemed to be going well with us. Verse 18. But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we burned incense to the Queen of Heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? What what he's what they're saying is, is when we did this, things were going well, so it must be right. They were letting they were letting circumstances determine where their heart would go. Boy, be careful. There's all kinds of stuff out there. Is trying to steal your heart. There is a there is a, a, a philosophy, and I, I grew up with this philosophy. I mean, it was prevalent, particularly in the 60s. And uh, it, it kind of falls in the line of, if it feels good, do it. Or uh, the end justifies the means. In other words, as long as I get what I want to get, it doesn't make any difference how I get there. I hear that, that kind of talk now in Christianity all over the place. Well, as long as people get saved, it doesn't make any difference what kind of methods we use. Oh, yes, it does. It makes all the difference in the world. Uh, you know, I suppose David could have said that when he was trying to, trying to uh, move the ark and bring it back to Jerusalem from the Philistines and, and saying, well, you know, it just as long as we get it back here, that's what counts. Well, they, they started to, to uh, bring it back in an unbiblical method. The method that they used was, was to put it on a cart. That was the way the Philistines uh, moved the ark. That wasn't the way God's people were supposed to move the ark. And so they put it on this cart, and it began to tip. And a fellow by the name of Uzzah came up to it and went to steady it. And God killed him right there on the spot. Why? Because it's not just what you do, but it's also how you do it. And it's important to have the right means, not just the end. And the idea is, is that if we're not careful, we'll let circumstances determine where our heart is. Boy, don't do that. Don't let circumstances determine who and what you love. Uh, we know... You know, we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and all our strength. That means God's going to allow things to come into, into our hearts and lives. Um, he's going to let false teachers come. He's going to let uh, circumstances that are ill circumstances come into our lives. And, and those things are to prove us and to see where our heart is now the purpose of it is not just to prove it but to strengthen us in the right area uh you know god god is not allowing this covid 19 thing to come to discourage obedience he wants to strengthen obedience he, he doesn't do it to to uh discourage us from fearing god he wants to strengthen our fear of the lord he's not doing it to to lessen our love he wants to strengthen our love for him um and, and and god god over and over and over again uses these three areas as testing grounds 
for our, our hearts and for our faith. Uh, circumstances should not, should not determine our beliefs. I, I, I've watched things over the years. I've watched people that uh, have um, had disagreements, in, not only in churches that I've pastored, but also where I was an associate pastor and then other churches. And I, I, I've watched them do this. I've watched them come in and have disagreements, but they're not, they're not doctrinal. There's no doctrinal, there's no moral disagreements. It's just, just, oh, I think it ought to be done this way, and you're not doing it this way, and I'm not getting what I want the way I want it, so I'm going to move on to another place. You know what I've, I've found to be absolutely amazing? Oftentimes those folks that will go to another place will go to a place that believes something that they were not taught in the church that they're coming from. They're taking, they're, 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 ex, they're, they're putting up with a false doctrine so they can get the circumstances that they want. Boy, be careful of that. Be careful of that. God puts us through things so that we can be strengthened, not so we can be weakened. And he, he, he puts us through things so we can be strengthened in three areas, our obedience, our fear and our love. As we're going through this thing, right now, tonight, where's your obedience? Are you obedient to God like you ought to be in the areas that you know of? How is your, how is your fear of God? You know, I've noticed that the more I fear God, the less I sin. The less I fear God, the more my heart wanders and the more I sin. And how is your love for God. Has anything, has anything dented or lessened or diminished the love that you have for the Savior? Circumstances are brought into our lives. The wilderness is brought into our lives so we can be proved, so we can be tested, so that we can be strengthened in our obedience and in our fear, and in our love. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I'm thankful tonight for wilderness experiences. Lord, um, I've probably not said this to you verbally yet, but I need to. Thank you for COVID-19. Do I like it? No. Uh, do I enjoy wearing a mask when I go into a, a grocery store or Walmart? No, I don't like that at all. Uh, do, I, do I like what I see happening around me as far as our economy goes? It's, it's actually disintegrating before our very eyes. No, I don't like that. But uh, Lord, evidently, it's necessary. It's necessary for our country. It's necessary for our state. It's necessary for our church, it's necessary for us as families, and it's necessary for us as individuals. Lord, this is our wilderness, and we're being proved. In these areas of obedience and fear of the Lord and love, uh, we need to stand firm. In fact, really, Lord, those three areas should be strengthening, not weakening. But I'm sure in some cases, one or maybe all three of them 
We're getting a little shaky. God, help us to see it. Help us to be willing to admit it and uh, to repent and uh, rectify that situation and strengthen in our obedience, strengthen in our fear for you and strengthen in our love. Work in this invitation tonight. And as you speak to our hearts, may we do business with you. Lord, may folks that are in their homes tonight, may they uh, turn that chair that they were just sitting in into an altar. We pray, Father, that you'd have your will and your way in hearts and lives tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together, if you would, and let's have our heads bowed.